you turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 2? And I'm reading verses 23 to 28. And it happened that he was passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples began to make their way along while picking the heads of grain. The Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need, and he and his companions became hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests. And he also gave it to those who were with him. Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So today I want to talk about the Sabbath. Now, Sabbath's quite a religious word. We don't normally hear people walking around in our day-to-day lives talking about the Sabbath. But quite simply, the word Sabbath is from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which means rest or ceasing from work. But why is the Sabbath important? Why is rest important? Well, we all need a Sabbath. We all need rest. We live in a culture where everything is expected to be available seven days a week and often 24 hours a day. Not only that, our working day seems to be getting longer and longer. 10 or 20 years ago, if I travelled to work on the train, I'd normally see people relaxing, reading a book or a newspaper on the way to work. But what do we see these days? These days people seem to be tapping away on laptops, working on iPads or having conference calls on the mobile phones rather than relaxing on their journey before they start their day at work. And it's not just our working lives either. When we get home from work, we don't spend the evening or weekends resting. We cram our free time and our family's free time with so many leisure activities that we escape back to work on Monday to recover. What we need is a Sabbath. We need to rest. And regarding technology, we we tend to talk about technology as a good thing. It helps us get more done more quickly. We can use the internet any time of day or night. We can buy anything we want 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I can go online at four o'clock in the morning and download an album onto my mobile phone wherever I am in a few minutes if I want. I can download a book onto my Kindle at any time of day or night. It's amazing, but is it always a good thing? Last weekend, I got an email from my boss at 11.20pm on Saturday night. I actually challenged her about this because I don't think anyone should be working at that time on a Saturday. And she just laughed and boasted that sometimes she sent emails at two o'clock in the morning. We wear our busyness and stress as a badge of honour, but what, what we actually need is a rest, a proper Sabbath. 20% of British workers take time off work every year due to stress. And over 5 million admit that they spend most of their lives very or extremely stressed. Because we're able to do so much, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, we fill all our time with activity and neglect rest. Is anyone old enough to remember 30 years ago when shops just weren't open on a Sunday and you had no choice other than to rest and take it easy on a Sunday? There was nothing else to do. There was no internet no mobile phones, 
everything was closed. Does that sound like a good thing or a bad thing? Everyone needs rest. Everyone needs a Sabbath. And it's a principle God taught us from the very beginning. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. And at the end of each day, he paused. He rested from his work at the end of each day and saw that it was good. Do we stop at the end of each day and reflect on the work of God, what he's done for us during that day, and think about how good he is? But he doesn't just rest at the end of each day. In Genesis chapter 2, after, after God has made all the heavens and the earth and all the plants and animals, and finally man, all in six days, Genesis chapter 2 tells us this. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. By the seventh day, God completed his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he'd done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. So after six days, God's made everything, given it to humankind to take care of, looks at his work, sees it's good, and then stops. God ceases from his work. God rests. God sabbaths. But have you ever thought about this? Does God get tired? Does God need a rest every seven days? Did he create the Sabbath day so that he could have a nap at the end of a busy week? No, of course not. And Jesus tells us in God's gospel, sorry, in John's gospel, my father is working until now and I myself am working. God doesn't need a rest, but we do. God created the Sabbath because we need it, not because he needs it. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath, a day of rest, is a gift for us. And when we read Genesis, we tend to think of the Sabbath as a rest at the end of the week, a rest for God after six days of creation. But I want to suggest we look at it from another angle. Adam was created on the sixth day, so the Sabbath was the first full day of the week for him. God made Adam and the Sabbath was the next day. Adam started his week with a day of rest. Adam started the week with a day when he could reflect on the glory of creation. A day when he could stop and enjoy all the good things the Lord had made for him. From the very beginning, God created us to relax in a garden we hadn't planted. To enjoy animals we hadn't made and to eat fruit we hadn't grown. The Sabbath is a gift to be enjoyed. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. But do we have to obey the Sabbath? You know, in writing this message, I've done a lot of reading about what the Sabbath should mean for us today. Should we still obey the Sabbath? Or is it part of the law which has been fulfilled by Jesus? And therefore, we don't need to obey the Sabbath anymore. There are compelling arguments for both points of view. And whichever point of view people take, they seem to have a very, a very strong point of view about it. Do we have to obey the Sabbath? And I keep coming back to the same thought. The Sabbath is a blessing. It's a gift. Why are we talking about whether we have to accept a gift? Imagine if my friend Peter gave me a gift of £50. Would I spend a lot of time debating whether I had to accept it or not? Would, would I be wrestling with the question of whether I should spend the money on something I wanted? Or should I ignore the fact that I've been given this gift and carry on being skint? That's what we're doing when we question whether or not we should keep the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a gift, 
a day off for us to relax and enjoy God's creation. And we ask if we're allowed to work on the Sabbath or discuss whether we have to keep it or not. Isn't that a bit strange? It's a gift. Let's enjoy it. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. But, but why does the question even arise? Well, in most English Bible translations, the word, the word Sabbath first comes up in the book of Exodus when God is given the various rules of how the Israelites are to live. And the rules around the Sabbath are very strict. In Exodus 31, God says, Therefore, you are to observe the Sabbath, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. And in Numbers 15, a man is caught gathering wood on the Sabbath day, and God ordered that he be stoned to death by the congregation for his crime. Does that apply to us? Should we set up a rotor every Sunday afternoon, a couple of us wait outside Morrison's with a bag of rocks, and we stone anyone we recognise from church? And are, we rec- are we restricted to just our church, or can we throw rocks at anyone with a little fish symbol on their car? Of course not. But we can make some sense of those passages by looking at the culture of the Middle East in those times. It seems remarkable to us today but there's no historical evidence that ancient cultures observed a rest day at all. As far as we can tell, everyone just worked every day. And this would especially apply to the Hebrews when they were in slavery in Egypt. The beginning of the book of Exodus constantly makes reference to their heavy toil and what hard taskmasters the Egyptians were. The Lord chose Israel to demonstrate his love, his glory and his holiness to the other nations. Therefore, we needed Israel to be holy, set apart, pure and uncontaminated. And a major part of this was observing the Sabbath, demonstrating to other nations how generous God was in allowing them a day of rest. Observing the Sabbath was important because it was one of the things that set Israel apart from her idolatrous neighbours. Israel alone observed and celebrated the Sabbath every week. And the Bible describes the Sabbath as holy. In Exodus, it tells us, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. And also, tomorrow is a Sabbath observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. This explains the strict punishment for failing to observe the Sabbath in the Old Testament. If it was neglected, it polluted Israel, God's holy nation, called out for his great purposes. God needed Israel to demonstrate his grace to the other nations, and that's why there were such strict rules for keeping the Sabbath. But what about us? As New Covenant people, should we observe the Sabbath? Or was it just something for the nation of Israel? Well, I don't think so. We we read in Genesis 12 that the nation of Israel was called into being when God called Abraham, told him to leave his country and his father's household, and that the whole world would be blessed through him. But the principle of rest was established long before then. It was established at creation. The Sabbath is a gift for everybody, not just Israel. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Not only that, but think about this. If we enjoy the gift of a Sabbath rest, we're also blessing other people with a rest. For landowners in biblical times, when they stopped and took a Sabbath rest, the workers on their land would also take a rest. Today, when I take a rest, my family also take a rest with me. When I decide I'm going to rest and not shop on one day each week, who else am I giving a rest to? 
the people who work at the supermarket maybe, the people who work at the petrol garage. When we stop and take a rest, we're potentially sharing that rest with other people. When we, don't, when we take a Sabbath rest, it doesn't just affect us, it can bless others as well. And when we rest, it can give the, rest, the gift of rest to other people, a, a rest that everyone needs. But why do we find it so hard? Why do people question the Sabbath as though it's a curse and not a blessing? Well, the reason it's hard is that it takes faith to take a day off. Our natural inclination is to rely on ourselves to get everything done, and we become stressed if it seems like we won't manage it. It takes faith, trusting God to take a day off. Especially for Israel during those 40 years in the wilderness, they were never quite sure where their next meal was coming from. But it's as true today as it was then. When we're stressed or anxious about work and feel we can't afford a day off, we're putting our work ahead of God, and that's idolatry. The Sabbath forces us to let go. We let go of the idea that work is the centre of our lives. We let go of the idea that we are the centre of our lives. The Sabbath rest helps us to let go of the idea that we're God. It puts God back at the centre of our lives. And... It's the easiest thing in the world to say, just let go. It takes discipline, it's very hard. But the Sabbath helps us to surrender and acknowledge that he is God and we're not. Now, you may not be aware of this, but there's more than one type of Sabbath in the Old Testament. And if you think a weekly Sabbath, one day of rest every week takes a lot of faith. Check this out. Every seven years, Israel took a Sabbath year. Nothing would be cultivated on the land. No sowing, no reaping, no pruning. Can you imagine how much faith that required? In the sixth year, you had to trust the Lord would provide enough for three years, as he promised he would do in Leviticus. And for that Sabbath year, the people would let the land lie uncultivated. Cycles of work and rest were built into the very fabric of how Israel was to live. Even the land got a rest. We know now that there are good agricultural reasons for allowing the land to rest every few years. And they might well have had an idea of this in biblical times. But all the same, it must have taken an enormous amount of faith and discipline to leave the land uncultivated for a year. Not to mention a lot of planning to store up enough grain for the years leading up to the Sabbath year. And of course, the Sabbath year also had cultural implications. The people who worked the land for, seven, for six years, and that was most people in the ancient world, would find they had nothing to do for an entire year. And they'd be able to devote themselves to other things for a year, such as study, worship, pilgrimage. The Sabbath year gave people an opportunity to embrace the good things of God that they wouldn't normally have a chance to take part in. Now, we might not think about it in the same terms, but something like the Sabbath year still, ex- still exists for some people. We still use the term sabbatical. And it, it tends to happen most often in academia when teachers or scholars take a break from their teaching every few years to pursue another interest. It's often for research or possibly just a time to broaden their interest in another field. It's not a holiday. It's, it isn't time off without aims or accountability. But it's a break from what they normally do to expand and refocus and explore what they might be called to do next. 
a Sabbath year isn't something that many of us have an opportunity to take. But I do think that every few years we should all take some time away from our usual day-to-day lives and spend some time with the Lord and reflect on what we do. What could we be doing next? How could we best serve the Lord with our lives? Because he is the Lord of all our lives, our jobs, our relationships, our hobbies, not just what we do on a Sunday morning. Every few years, it would do us all good to take some time out to find out what the Lord is calling us to do next. Now, the final type of Sabbath I want to talk about is a very special Sabbath year. Um, Turn with me to Leviticus 25. And I'm reading from verse 8. You are also to count off seven Sabbaths of years for yourself, seven times seven years, so that you have the time of the seven seven Sabbaths of years, namely 49 years. You shall then sound a ram's horn abroad on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement you shall sound a horn all through your land. You shall thus consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim a release through all the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you, and each of you shall return to his own property, and each of you shall return to his family. You shall have the fiftieth year as a jubilee. You shall not sow, nor reap its aftergrowth, nor gather in from its untrimmed vines, for it is a jubilee. It shall be holy to you. You shall eat its crops out of the field. And the rest of the chapter goes on to give more details about the jubilee year. But here's a summary of it. Every 49 years, all debts are forgiven. All land and property that's been pledged as security for debt is returned back to its original owner. All slaves are set free. So God is so good, even money gets a year off. All debts are set free. Can you imagine the queue for loans in the Yorkshire Bank six months before the Jubilee starts? All debts going to be cancelled soon. Can you imagine the celebration that year? But don't forget that every debt owed to you is cancelled as well. That's very important. So the Jubilee was every 49 years. But if we work our way through the Old Testament, there's nothing that suggests the Jubilee year ever took place. No mention of it anywhere. But perhaps we shouldn't be surprised at that. When we move through the Old Testament, all the way through, we see Israel working through patterns of good leadership, following the Lord. And then a season of bad leadership, idolatry, turning away from the Lord. They never quite made it to the 49th year, the year of Jubilee. But turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. And I'm reading verses 14 to 19. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through all the surrounding district. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favourable year of the Lord. That was Jesus quoting Isaiah, announcing the Jubilee. We're living in a time of Jubilee. 
all the blessings of the Jubilee are available to us now. We're forgiven our debts. We're to, we're to forgive the debts people owe us. We're set free, no longer slaves. The trumpet has sounded, we're in a time of celebration. The blessings that God gave to Adam are released back to us. So let's live our lives in celebration of that. Not just on one day of the week, but every day. Now, to close, I want, I want to talk about um, a turn of phrase that you may have heard of. Um, you might be familiar with it. There's a turn of phrase, Protestant work ethic. Have you heard of that? If you're not familiar with it, it's, it's a concept in sociology and economics which emphasizes hard work, diligence, and care with resources as a constant display of, display of a person's salvation in response to what Jesus has done on the cross. The Protestant work ethic is a good thing, but I suggest we can build on that with a Protestant rest ethic. The, the Protestant rest ethic would be like this. Instead of hastily grabbing a rest, snatching some time off whenever we can, let's treasure the Sabbath. Let's make the Sabbath the very focus of our week. Like the Israelites did, let's shape our week around the Sabbath. They finished all their work on the Sabbath Eve and didn't start again until a full day later. They didn't even cook on the Sabbath. They prepared their food the night before. Let's set apart, make holy, a day when we don't turn on our laptops. A day when we switch off our mobile phones. A day when we don't go shopping. A day when we don't need to do the dishes. A day we, when we can just rest in all that God has given us and reflect on his generosity. And not because God has commanded us to have a day of rest. Not even because we need a day of rest. But because the Sabbath is a gift from God and one of the most wonderful things he's given us. There's no legal or religious requirement for us to observe a Sabbath day, a rest day. We won't be stoned to death for working on the Sabbath. But the Sabbath is a gift, a blessing. So let's seize it with both hands. And... And not just relax in the rest that God has given us, but celebrate in that rest. The world is exhausted, chasing air, putting money into a purse with holes. But we can rest, knowing on the cross it was finished. Jesus fulfilled everything. We can rest in the favourable year of the Lord. And I want to close by reading a, a very short passage from Matthew's Gospel. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen.